This is a sermon preached in the pulpit of Eden Grove Presbyterian Church, Bowen Hinch, Northern Ireland. A place where we believe that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. We turn this morning to the Word of God and we continue our series in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you've got your Bible there in front of you, please open it. We're in 2 Corinthians 5 this morning and we're going to read the first 10 verses. I hope that this book so far has been a blessing to you and pray indeed that it will continue to be so as we work our way through it as this year comes to an end. So we go there now, 2 Corinthians 5, and the first 10 verses, and this is the word of God. For we know that if the tent which is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Amen. And we thank God today for his precious word. When I first arrived in Ballon Hinch, I used to make much of the fact that the people around me up here seemed to be so incredibly obsessed with the weather. Didn't matter what time of the year it was, everybody talked about the weather. And in the first few years of me being up here ministering here, there were a few really bad winters where there was a heavy snowfall and you were guaranteed that in the weeks coming up to it and the weeks after it, everybody's focus and attention was on the snow. Now I haven't heard much about snow this year. It's the middle of October almost. We're heading into the winter. Something like just 11 more Fridays until Christmas. Because there are other things to talk about this year. Or should I say, one thing to talk about. We're probably all sick and tired of hearing about the pandemic. Certainly I know as I prepare every sermon I think, Scott, don't be saying much about COVID-19. But here it is. It hasn't yet escaped our gaze. We are still, it seems, in the middle of it, or dare I say, not even in the middle of it. COVID is on our lips. Pandemic is on our tongues. And we're growing increasingly tired of it. Folks, here's a challenge for you in the days to come. 
When you're standing at B&M or, or you go in the Poundland and Ball the Hinch or even if you go a wee bit further afield to the, the golden streets of a place like Sainfield, I challenge you to speak about something else. Now you might think, well Scott, what topic in this day and age would you like us to speak about? Maybe we will talk about football. Sport is returning not to normal but it's there anyway, the teams are on the pitch. Maybe we'll talk about politics. After all, Brexit is looming again on the horizon and very soon America will decide Trump or Biden. What is it, Scott, that you would have us talk about and speak about and make much of when we're down the town? Now I know the more eagle-eyed of you will realise that usually in church, whether it's the children's address or the sermon, the answer is usually Jesus. And of course, today, if you were to go and make much of Jesus, then praise God for that. But that's not the answer to the rhetorical question that I'm posing to you this morning. Scott, what would you have us speak about? How about the subject of death? Now, that seems a strange one, doesn't it? There are things in life that none of us really want to hear about and certainly death is one of those. But how about in the days to come at some stage as a believer you have a conversation with someone about that reality. The reality that we are, as Paul told us last time out, jars of clay. The reality that you and I are, are built and made and live in frailty. And when we have finished our appointed time on this earth, there comes death. The wages of sin is death. And all men, women, everywhere will one day die. How about speaking about death? The scriptures call death the enemy. And the last enemy to be destroyed and put under Christ's feet is death. But in this passage today, Paul doesn't shy away from it. In this passage, he doesn't call it the enemy. He doesn't have any fear of it. Instead, the apostle speaks these words, writes them to the Corinthians. Because as for Paul, he is of good heart. Again, we have said repeatedly in these sermons that Paul was not living in cloud cuckoo land. Let me get my teeth in. Paul wasn't away far from normal human realities. Paul wasn't someone who didn't have a clue what it was like to live an ordinary life. He suffered, he struggled, he had days of sadness and doubt and anxiety. And in Corinth, as we have made much of, there were these strained relationships. And yet Paul is still able to say that he is of good heart. He is looking forward, isn't he, as we heard last week, to the things unseen. Not the temporary things of this earth, but to the things of glory, the things of God, the things invisible at this point in time to us. Paul looks heavenward to where Christ is and the reality of his saviour interceding for him causes the apostle to be of good cheer. See, today as believers, we can speak of death. And today I'm not standing here hoping that I will die soon or even sooner than that. I don't want that. I pray that I will be 
blessed with a long life. I pray that I will get to see all manner of things that I hope for in the deepest reaches of my heart. But as a Christian man, I know that if death comes in old age or someday soon, I go to be with Jesus. That is the wonderful grounding of our Christian faith. We know that death is the enemy. We know that all men and women must die. We know that eventually it will come and we will leave this earthly place. But we know when that day comes, we go to be with Jesus. Paul in the book of Philippians famously put it this way. He says, I, I want to depart and go to be with Jesus because it is better by far. The Christian, the one who has received Christ by faith, when he or she closes their eyes for the last time, they go to be with Jesus. Is there anything more amazing to speak of than that? And I know if you went down to B&M today and spoke with the girl in the checkout about death, she'll probably look at you as if you are a wee bit mental. But my friends, it shouldn't be this subject that we never talk about. It lies in front of every single one of us and the Christian, and the Christian alone, has got something wonderful to say, even about death. Paul has called us jars of clay. And in this chapter, he changes the metaphor and he speaks of us as tents. He says in verse 1 in chapter 5, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens here is that image once again paul has called us a, a jar of clay easily broken and now he refers to us as a tent this tent this mortal body that is our earthly home the apostle says even if that is destroyed we have got something better to look forward to he describes that place as a building from god a house that hasn't been made with hands and it is eternal in the heavens do you see the imagery? Do you see the change there? Paul takes us from canvas of the tent to bricks and mortar to a heavenly home made without hands. Here is the reality for the Christian. This is our glorious and wonderful hope that when our earthly body, when our tent is destroyed, then we go home. I have never had any desire to build a house. I know lots of people up in this neck of the woods, up in Ballon Hinch, they, they do exactly that. They build a house. Their grandma leaves them a bit of land, their dad gives them a bit of land, they, they buy a bit of land and they build their own forever home. And I know some families in this neck of the woods who have for an extended period of time lived in a caravan. Now I know a caravan isn't exactly a tent, but bear with me for a wee second. I have never had the dubious pleasure of spending a stormy night in a caravan, but I would imagine it can be a wee bit scary. The caravan's blowing back and forward, the wind is beating down on, on what seems like thin little sheets of the caravan walls, and I'm sure it's a terrifying prospect. But soon when you build your house, soon when the bricks and mortar go up and the foundations are laid and everything is good, well, the storms come and the storms blow, but you will sleep right through them, safe and secure in your forever home. 
My friends, it is this imagery that Paul takes us to. Considering death, considering the mortal body, the tent that is our earthly home being destroyed, Paul is able with confidence to say, but we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. It is eternal in the heavens. We die and because of faith in Christ, we get to go to be with Jesus. Friends, there's the reality. At the minute, the shadow of death hangs over the nation. Even Donald Trump recently contracted COVID-19 and, and everybody waited with, with bated breath. He's a man over his 70th birthday. They wondered would he be okay. And certainly as I preach this today, by the grace of God, it seems that the president is going to be fine. But it's there. We may not like to speak about it, but it's there. We know it's coming. We may not like to think about it, but it's there. We park in the car park at church and we're surrounded by graves. We may not want to consider it too much, but it is there. And yet as Christians, we know that our Savior has died once and for all for sin, but rose again from the dead. Jesus Christ has made death die. He is the one who has defeated the grave. He is the one that is no longer in the grave. And he is the one who saves to the uttermost the individual who calls upon the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore is saved. And so as believers, we know that if this earthly home is destroyed, this tent that we live in is destroyed, so fragile like a jar of clay, we have a building with foundations, a building that is secure, made in heaven without hands, and it is our eternal dwelling place. And that place that lies in front of us, there will be times that we long for it, and we thirst for it, and we groan for it. That's the language that Paul uses in verse 2. He says, for in this tent we groan and we long to put on our heavenly dwelling. Now that may not be the case every single day, but I suspect for many of us brothers and sisters, it is the case at some point in our lives. I have been in enough hospital rooms and enough trips to the hospice and I have sat at bedsides enough and I have conducted enough funerals and, and watched families weeping and crying, broken hearted. I have seen it enough to know that there are times in our lives where we long and groan for glory. In this tent, we groan and we long to put on that heavenly dwelling, says Paul. In verse 3, he says, if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. I suspect none of us would want to be forced today to run down the street in the nip and the Rick Rude in our birthday suit. None of us would want to be seen naked by the people that we know and, and live beside in this town. And that's the imagery. Paul says we want to put on our heavenly home. We want to go to glory that we will not be found naked or in other words we will not be put to shame. That's the truth for the believer. That's how it works and, and we can only imagine what it will be like when we take our final breath, when we close our eyes for the last time. We can only imagine what it will be like to open those eyes again and to see Jesus, the glory of that moment, the wonderful joy of that moment 
And sometimes we say, oh, we'll see Granny again and we'll see Uncle Jimmy again and we'll be reunited with our brothers and sisters from church again. And yes, that is true and that will be amazing and glorious. But make no mistake, my brothers and sisters, we will see Jesus. We will see Christ. No wonder we groan. No wonder we, we long to, to stop all the nonsense that goes with being alive in the here and now in this world with all the weakness and sin and burdens. No wonder we want to put on that heavenly dwelling. We will not be shamed. We will not be found naked. We will be with Jesus, which is better by far. Here is our hope. And while we are still in this tent, says Paul in verse 4, we groan. We are being burdened. Life is difficult. Life is fleeting. Life is hard. And we groan and we long for glory, but we know that we will not be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, as Paul says at the end of verse 4, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. It is at this point that we want to make a distinction between the intermediate state and the final state. Some of you might think straight away, well, Scott, what does any of that mean? States, what, what states? Are we talking about Bally Bean, Tully Carnot, a state? What are we talking about here? Friends, think of it this way. If the believer dies here and now before Christ's return, where do they go? What happens to them? Well, their body is placed in the grave and their body will see corruption in that grave. But their soul is immediately made perfect and it goes to be with Jesus. That is why the Lord was able to say to the thief on the cross that today you will be with me in paradise. Body and soul ripped apart, if you like, body in the grave, soul in glory, and we call that the intermediate state. Now, why is it the intermediate state? What do we mean by that? Well, friends, we mean when we speak of the intermediate state that that, that state of soul being perfect with Christ in heaven, it isn't forever. Now, I don't want you thinking today that, that somehow the intermediate state won't be very good. As I've said today in this sermon, if we were to die today, our souls are made perfect and they go to be with Jesus, which is better by far. There's not a single soul in glory right now who is disappointed, for they are with Christ. But the day of Christ's return is coming. And when that day comes, we believe the testimony of the scriptures that says the dead will be raised to life. Those who are outside of Christ will be raised to dishonor and those who have trusted Christ will be raised to glory. And on that day, a new body will be given to us and our soul would be reunited with that body and we will stand again on this earth and we will be with Jesus forever and this is what we call the final state. Here Paul speaks about both the intermediate state and the final state. He will not be unclothed if he is to die. If his tent that is his earthly home is destroyed, he will not be put to shame. He will go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, which is better by far. But the apostle has this hope that he would also be further clothed. So that what is mortal, so the, the flesh which is mortal will be swallowed up by life and the flesh that is mortal will put on immortality. There's Paul's hope for the final state. 
Friends, for the Christian today, as we consider death and what happens to us at death, it is all joy. It is all glory. It is, it is all peace and happiness. And that is why with perhaps tears running down our face, we still have an unshakable hope that our loved ones who have died in Christ are safe and secure where he is. All of this, I know, sounds at times too good to be true. All of this at times sounds just a little bit beyond our comprehension. You're right, it, it is. It's hard as we are, are people of, of sight to look at this world and think that there's something better to come. It's hard at times when we are in the depths of despair to, to read the word of God and to believe that this is true and it is going to come to pass just as the Lord has said. It is hard at times, but may our prayer today be that which we have already prayed we believe, Lord, but help our unbelief. We believe, Lord, but life is hard. Help our unbelief. We believe, Lord, but at times we, we don't want to leave this earthly place. Help our unbelief. We believe, Lord, and we pray today that you will give us eyes of greater faith so that we may have an upward gaze, a heavenly gaze. We look onto Jesus and we know that nothing in the here and now compares to the glory that will be ours when we are with him forevermore. At times it is hard to believe, but it is God who has prepared us for this very thing, the apostle says in verse 5. And it is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. See, this isn't today just the words of some imperfect preacher in Balna Hinch. This is the truth of God's Word. Not only will there be an intermediate state of bliss and happiness, but there will too be a final state of bliss and happiness. We will inhabit the new heavens and the new earth. We, the bride of Christ, we are here forever with Jesus. This is our hope. And God today gives us the Spirit. He gives everyone who has received Christ by faith the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, as the earnest of our faith, as the authorised version would put it. Every single one of us who has received Christ has been baptised by the Holy Spirit. It is not a second blessing that you have to seek out and work really hard to get. Every single one who's received Christ by faith has been baptized in the Spirit, has been given the Spirit by God himself, and the Spirit is our guarantee that these things that we have talked about, the intermediate, the final, glory, Christ, all of this will come to pass. In these days where all we seem to speak about is COVID, in these days of worry and doubt and fear, maybe we do need to consider death a wee bit more. Maybe we do need to speak about it a wee bit more, to prepare ourselves for it a wee bit more, to realise a wee bit more that when death comes, yes, certainly there will be sadness for us all. But we go to be with Jesus. We move home from the tent to the mansion. We move home from the place of sin and weakness and frailty to the place where there is only rejoicing in the presence of the Lamb. 
My friends, as I've said, I hope and pray that there are many years in front of me yet. I hope and pray that the Lord and his grace blesses me with years to do some of the things that, that I hope in my, my childish heart at times, but I still hope that I will get to do them. I hope I have those years. But with nervous confidence today, if somehow the Lord ordained that today was my last day, I go to be with Jesus. That isn't the truth for everyone. That isn't the case for Christ rejectors. There are many who hear the gospel and do not receive it. Many who hear the gospel and their eyes are closed. We heard last time out that it is the God of this world who is Satan who keeps their eyes veiled from seeing their need of Christ. There are many who reject the gospel every single time they hear it. There are many who even at funerals, even in the midst of weeping and gnashing of teeth, even sitting in meeting houses where there is a coffin just up there, there are many who will not heed the gospel call. My friends, over 12 years, in Ballon Hinch, I have realized that everyone in Ballon Hinch that I've ever spoken to believes they're going to heaven. The big man will see us right, won't he? I've done enough, I think. I'm a good person. Isn't that right? Nobody wants to go to the other place. And yet, those who have rejected Christ will go to that other place. There is an intermediate state for those who reject Jesus as well. When they close their eyes, they go to a lost eternity. And when Christ returns, they will stand again, but they will be raised to dishonor. And they go to a lost eternity. My friends, please heed these words. Because COVID is all we talk about. And we're glad distractions like football and rugby are starting to come back so we can take our mind off the bad news. But the bad news is this. If you continue to reject Christ, the wrath of God abides upon you. If you continue to reject Christ, then no one has paid the price for your sins. And you will find if you die in your sins, then you go to a lost eternity. Today, if you are a Christ rejecter, then know the danger you are in. Today, if you are a Christ rejecter, then I beg you to receive him by faith. But for the Christian, we are able to say with the Apostle Paul in verse 6, that we are always of good courage. It doesn't sound like an easy thing to say. It doesn't sound like something perhaps we can say Every day going through the, the dry valley that at times we find ourselves in. But we are as Christians always of good courage. Because we walk by faith, says Paul. And not by sight. We didn't see Christ's agony in Gethsemane. We only read about the cross on the pages of the scriptures. We weren't there 
in the garden looking at the empty tomb. We weren't there to, to see Christ raised again to life and walking and talking and eating and drinking with his friends and loved ones and disciples. We weren't there to see him ascending up into heaven. But we have received him by faith. We are those that Jesus spoke of in John 20 and verse 29. When Jesus spoke to Thomas, who had believed because he had seen, Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We are counted in that number. And my brothers and sisters, before we find ourselves filled with arrogance and pride, please understand we have only believed because the Lord has drawn us to himself. We only believe because the Lord has caused us to be born again. He has opened our eyes and we have received Christ by repentance and faith. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It is a supernatural work of the Word and the Spirit. That is why today we are saved. But believe you me, through faith in Christ, we are saved. Men and women of faith, a receiving and a resting in Christ as he is offered in the gospel. Men of women of faith rather than sight, that is who we are. Therefore, the apostle says again at the beginning of verse 8, yes, we are of good courage. Now we know that while we are here at home, verse 6 again, we know that while we are in this tent, in the body, we are away from the Lord. We know that. And please understand, Paul here isn't saying that the Lord is sleeping or switched off or doesn't care about his people. Of course he does. The Lord is near to us. The Lord is omnipresent. He is in all places. We cannot escape his gaze. But here on earth, we know that we are not in that heavenly realm. We know that, that there's something ahead of us still to come. While we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, but we are off good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Isn't that an extraordinary thing to say? Can you imagine anyone saying such a thing? We would rather be away from this body and at home with Jesus? It might be hard to say, but it's certainly true to say it for the one who has trusted Christ. We may not always believe it. It may not always be at the forefront of our Christian minds. We are always carrying about this body of death. We are simul just et peccator. We are at the same time justified and sinful. There are times that we will put our roots strongly down in this harlot world, but it is true for the Christian that we would rather ultimately be away from this tent, this body, and at home with Jesus. Maybe it's the stage of life that I'm at. But I find myself more and more thinking on these things. And more and more wrestling with stuff like this. And, and asking myself more and more, Scott, is this true of you? Is this really true of you? Do you really long for your heavenly home? I find more and more. The answer is, of course I do. More and more funerals. Of course I do. 
more and more bad news that comes from people we love, of course we long for home. More and more, when this earth is blighted with all manner of sin, of course we want to go home. We know that being with Jesus is better by far. And we know and can be of good courage because when we are absent from this body, then at long last, we will be with Jesus. Until then, as the Apostle puts it in verse 9, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Whatever we do, wherever we go, however we are in life, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever we do, we make it our aim to please the Lord. The Lord requires of us, as our catechism says, obedience to his revealed will. We find his revealed will in the scriptures. This is the path in front of us. And, and how I like to describe it, this will be nothing new to you now after all these years, but I describe it in the Latin words, sola Deo Gloria, to God alone the glory. This is how we live until we get to go home. To God alone the glory. And everything. In life and death and everything, God alone the glory and everything, home or away and everything, we make it our aim to please Him in everything, sola Deo Gloria in everything. For every one of us, says the Apostle, every one of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us, Christian and non-Christian, must stand in the last day before the judgment seat of Jesus. Every one of us must stand there so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. May that should strike terror into those that still will not believe. But for the Christian, the day of judgment is not a day of terror. For the Christian is not going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and Jesus is not going to decide and get his scales out and decide, have they done enough? There's not going to be such a thing as final justification when all our good deeds are weighed out. That's not going to happen. The Christian need not fear the day of judgment because the Christian has already been justified, declared righteous by God himself. And that declaration, that justification, is a forensic act. God has said it, and therefore he is not going to revoke his word. The Christian, through faith in Christ, is declared righteous because the righteousness of Christ has been credited to their account. And so the day of judgment, when it comes, is a day that we will stand before Jesus. And on that last day, we will not find ourselves disappointed. On that last day, we will not find ourselves put out because we haven't done enough. Instead, on that day, the Lord himself will acknowledge us as belonging to him. On that day, the Lord himself will publicly acquit us in the sight of the world. And on that day, he will graciously reward us for the good that we have done in the body. What a day. What a day that is coming and coming soon. 
What a day. And so my friends, as we wrap up this morning, I would challenge you and urge you, as hard as it may be, to be of good courage. The journey in front of us can be and seem incredibly long and difficult. Some of us may have years and years in front of us. Some of us may be down to the very few last days that are ours. At times, the days ahead might be filled with weeping and tears. At times the journey might seem utterly exhausting and we will fear that we will not make it to the finish and we will fall by the wayside. But brothers and sisters, be of good courage. Turn your gaze heavenward to that which is eternal, to where Jesus is and where he intercedes for you. Take heart, brothers and sisters. Keep on going. Because every single day, you are closer to home.